Welcome to Brand Story Inc.'s final 2020 Best Of podcast series. I'm your host, Jay Sharman, CEO of Teamworks Media. Today, we revisit the best of content studio future trends, and we've got an all-star team of guests that I've compiled to serve up the Notes version of themes, trends, and perspectives that I believe are very relevant in this much-anticipated 2021. We have Axios media reporter Sarah Fisher on the OTT landscape. Lightshed partners Rich Greenfield explores the complex future of branded content. The Wall Street Journal content studio general manager Paul Sigrykis gives us his crystal ball on 2021. And Comscore's TK Gore future casts on content measurement, specifically addressable media. I mean, how freaking great is it to have 2020 behind us? I mean, like a sieve, I'm only taking the good forward, especially when it comes to content studio, future trends content. So let's roll. We start with Sarah Fisher. Sarah was the number one person cited in 2020 by my podcast guests as their quote unquote must follow as it relates to staying on top of content industry trends. The well-known media reporter from Axios was kind enough to pull up a virtual chair and share her perspective on the future of SVOD, Subscription Video On Demand, and OTT, or Over The Top, which has come to mean streaming. Let's jump in with Sarah on the future of OTT. I think, first of all, it's unrealistic to think we're going to be able to have this many channels and consumers aren't going to be overwhelmed. So there's going to be consolidation. And what we've seen is that a lot of the standalone SVODs, so the subscription video on demand services Mm -hmm. are recognizing that there's a big pool of cash out there that they could also take in if they start to think about advertising based video on demand. So notice that Comcast um, has acquired Zumo. For example, a free ad-supported video platform. Um, Viacom acquired Pluto TV. Um, Fox acquired Tubi. So I think that's uh, one thing we're going to expect to see is more consolidation so that consumers can go to one studio or one network and get a package that includes content from all these, you know, some of it's free, some of it's not, uh, but it's all in one space. I think so that that's part of the future. And then the other thing is you're going to see a lot more of these like split rights deals. So an example of that is obviously the last dance ESPN plus it's streaming service is going to have the rights to that. But then Netflix also gets the international rights to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You see examples where one studio might get access to a film or to a series for two years and then they license it out to another studio uh, to make money off of it two years later. I think just like the dividing of rights amongst these different services is going to become a little bit more uh, commonplace. What's also commonplace is obviously daily conversations in our industry about social media. So I asked Sarah, through the eyes of media publishers and brands, how she sees the future of social media evolving. I think a lot of publishers, news publishers at least, have given up on the idea that they can expect consistent monetization from some of these platforms. Some of them, I think we know we're going to get a consistent relationship with over time. I think Twitter has been really good about having an ad revenue share partnership with certain publishers that has been sustainable and consistent. Obviously, Facebook, I think people have felt that that's been less consistent, although now they're paying publishers to be in their news tab. 
So I think news publishers at least are like, all right, well, we could never rely on these platforms fully. And that's why you see so many of them developing their own distribution direct to consumers, whether it's a subscription or a newsletter or a podcast, whatever. Um, in terms of uh, what's going to happen with content creators on these platforms, I think these platforms are still going to need more content than ever. And so there's going to be ample opportunity for content studios to sell their stuff to these platforms. But I think the key is figuring out how can we create a licensing agreement where it seems more sustainable, or mm -hmm. at least it's known, you know, mm -hmm. I'm only going to get this much money to license this kind of content over this amount of years, as opposed to kind of doing these traffic based partnerships, which really never worked out long term because anyone could change their algorithm yep. at any moment. Sarah is always on top of things, and her Tuesday Axios Media email newsletter is a must if you're listening to this and enjoying this conversation. So go to axios.com. It's a great, easy user experience, and you can sign up there. Clearly, 2020 was an inflection point in media. Old guard media were thrust into the digital media age as they were forced to figure out everything from web video conference calls to experiencing various levels of good and bad virtual conferences and everything in between. The new guards seem to be like, hey, finally, decision makers are realizing digital media and social media content consumption is for real. It's a real business and not just because Facebook and Google's market share was so large. Few that I've come to know have the vision and foresight in macro media business issues than Rich Greenfield of Lightshed Partners. His Twitter feed has become part of my daily ritual of content curation. It's at Rich Lightshed, Rich, R-I-C-H, Light, L-I-G-H-T. Shed, S-H-E-D, if you're on Twitter. Highly recommend it. We start this conversation back in mid-2020 with Rich's take on the pandemic's impact on future trends. I think, obviously, everyone is focused on how the pandemic is changing the landscape and, you know, in many ways, accelerating trends. I mean, it's obviously upending certain businesses, but how it's accelerating underlying trends. Obviously, cord cutting was a big theme for the last several years, but there's been a, a dramatic acceleration in cord cutting because we're all living on streaming services during the pandemic. There isn't much to watch on linear television. There's mm -hmm. no sports. or Sports are slowly starting to come back, but there's been no sports for months. There's not a whole lot of new television content and a lot of reruns and older programming and kind of heavy reality TV doses uh, across broadcast and cable networks. And so it's forcing more and more people who have already been shifting to streaming, but this has just given them more reasons to shift to streaming. I think gaming has been a huge theme yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah. I, you know, I think everywhere you look, uh, I don't even care what age you are, whether you're 45, 35, 25, 15, 10. I mean, gaming has just taken over and people are filling in time that would have been spent watching entertainment mm -hmm. on TV or even on streaming. And I think it has certainly eaten into that entertainment time spent uh, with people learning to play a whole wide array of games. And so I think that's a big takeaway. And then the other big one that we've been thinking a lot about is sort of the explosion of audio. And it again, this was also happening pre-pandemic, but I think if you look at what's happened over the last several months in podcasting, Spotify going very heavy, Sirius making some big acquisitions, um, New York Times last week making an acquisition of Serial, which sort of kicked this all off. 
sort of everywhere you look, you're, you know, you can't sort of go anywhere in media without hearing about the explosion of podcasting. And, you know, just like people used to talk about what show are you watching right. on a video streaming service? I feel like everyone now is like, what, what podcast do you like? <laughs> what would you be listening to? It's like the new, the, the new bucket list that you're building for your own, you know, kind of personal self is, is you know, not just what, you know, what, um, video content, but now what audio content you should be binging. Hey, audio binging. Thank you, Rich. I'm hoping you're doing that right now with Brand Story Inc. I also asked Rich about where he sees the quote-unquote next for brand content studios and advice for 2021 and beyond. Let's hear his thoughts. Experiment, 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 because there is no easy answer, right? I mean, this is an entirely new world. The idea that you could just push a button and a TV ad could go out to tens of millions of people. This is going to be a lot harder and you're going to have to figure out how do you integrate yourself into Instagram and maybe work with influencers and maybe create content. You know, maybe you have to make your own, you know, maybe you have to partner and actually make content for streaming platforms yourself that Mm -hmm. kind of speaks to your brand ethos. Yep. Thing you're working on or a new product. Maybe it's product placement. I mean, look at Egos in Stranger Things, and there's probably 40 other brands that were promoted within Stranger Things. Product placement may get more important. Uh, maybe you need to be creating podcasts, you know, that highlight, you know, w- with with key talent that's, you know, weaves in your brand and your messaging. Or maybe it's just doing podcast ads where hosts hosts that love your product will talk about them on air as the the online ads. I mean. Maybe it's video gaming. I mean, talk about the when we talked earlier about the, the category that's exploded is gaming. Yeah. Most you know brands I don't see, you know, doing ads in the middle of video games, but like reward video where hey, you want to get this new thing in Fortnite? Watch this ad, or you know, you know, experience this product for thirty seconds, or trying to insert yourself. I mean, you look away. Nike has inserted themselves into Roblox or Fortnite or. You know, you see brands trying to penetrate into Animal Crossing on Nintendo. You know, I think, again, all of this is going to require a lot more work. Every single thing I'm mentioning is harder than just clicking a button and a 15 or 30 second spot goes to radio, terrestrial radio or TV. Everything I'm talking about is hard yep. and doesn't fail the way it did. But you, there's no debate. If you want to reach people in the new world, the terrestrial linear mechanisms that we're all used to that were easy for brands and advertisers simply are not going to be there. I mean, they're going to exist, but you're going to reach a very small fraction of the population. And of that population, it's an aging population that watches a lot. So like the population that's still watching linear TV, you know, increasingly is over the age of 50 and they're bombing it. Like they're watching so much more than the 21 year old. And so not only are you reaching, you're reaching the same people over and over again, which is not what you want as a brand. And you're reaching people that are outside of your core demo. I mean, you always think about TV wants to reach 18 to 49. Well, you are not reaching 18 to 34 on TV. I mean, those numbers are literally collapsing. Data is the new name of the content game, and I'm not sure I've had a company on Brand Story Inc. that understood and prophesizes this more than the several guests I've had from Dow Jones, including Paul Sigrikis, the GM of the Trust. Pretty prophetic in its own name, in its own way. 
It's the Wall Street Journal's content studio, The Trust. I highly recommend listening to his full podcast episode, which you can find on our teamworksmedia.com content hub. That's where we put all of the Brand Story Inc. podcasts and some surrounding blog content. Paul and I went deep on data-driven content creation. And building on that, I had Paul toss me his 2021 crystal ball, and we put that brand content studio lens on it. Here's what he predicted after our chat on data-driven content insights. The reason why we talked about it for the first 10 or 15 minutes is it's insight and data-driven content creation. Yep. I mean, it's got to be that. I mean, the sec- And then the second one then ties perfectly into that, which is um, driving ROI. You've got to deliver a proven ROI on these campaigns. Um, ROI can, you know, the KPIs can vary. People and, you know, there's, there's so many ways to measure it. But right. I think... I just look at it like the marketing funnel, you know, it's typically upper funnel mm-hmm. where it's getting awareness, but also, you know, you can with retargeting and proper targeting of ads, um, you can drive people down the funnel. You can, the first, first piece of content someone reads can be about 5g. Mm-hmm. The second piece can be about a T strategy in 5g. And the third thing could be driving people to a, a more detailed article with a white paper. So I think the ROI piece of it, especially now, um, where every budget dollar has to be, you know, has to work is key. Uh, and I think obviously the third thing that, you know, we're all doing it, it's this pivot to, um, you know, video and live streaming of events and things like that um, is something that we're getting more and more, you know, requests for and that we're pitching out there because all of us now, you know, you can you can get access to um, subject matter experts and speakers who you couldn't get before because they didn't want to travel. Yep. Now they're just sitting in front of their computer like there are and, you know, you and I can do this in 30 minutes and we're done. Yep. Um, yep. So there's, I think those are the kind of the three big things that I'm saying. And again, you know, we're sort of in this unique place in that um, for our digital business is 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 very very strong right now mm-hmm. um, on the content studio side in general overall in the business because again, you know, the, who are the advertisers and the marketers that in fact didn't pull back but actually after they every after the shock they double down, and it's B2B, it's tech, it's finance. You know, it's all of those big players who now are, are saying, you know, we can't take our foot off the gas. In fact, now's the time to really to step on it and, and go for it. So in content marketing, you know, telling a story for them um, is critical now because it is something that, you know, traditional ads might not be able to do in the most you know, sensitive way. Whereas using storytelling, you can certainly adjust your tone for the times. One of my go-to questions was unsurprisingly about the COVID impact on content studio business, both in the here and now, but also the longer-term impact on business insights. Here's Paul again. COVID is, in some ways, you know, has has led to a surge in consumption of news, mm-hmm. um, and that's whether it be you know we see it, we, you know, we see it at the Journal, we see it at Barrons, you know, we also on Market Watch, mm-hmm. and Market Watch is like the fastest-growing personal finance site right now. You know, the page views are through the roof because everyone is, you know, mm-hmm. markets up, markets down, all that volatility. Um, so I think you have that. I think there's definitely, I'm consuming more um, podcast content and audio and video content. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you also, the, the irony is, um, you know, the newspaper, while traditional, you know, we still have 800,000 people who choose to get their journal content in print. And for them and they tend to be our wealthiest mm-hmm. our most you know and our most influential they tend to be a little older readers but the question with that is you know you you need to continue to message people 
through any way they're getting content. And I think that's, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, podcast, podcast, podcast. Podcasts are great for people like us because we listen to podcasts. Right. But if there's, you know, 30 or 40 percent of the, of the people aren't haven't listened to a podcast, you want to make sure you, you complement what you're doing in the digital space with some traditional ways to do it. And quite frankly, live events are gone. Yeah. Outdoor advertising is on the lane. So there's a lot of a lot of there's a lot of reasons for people to really take a look and think, how else can we reach these customers or target customers? Like, how are they consuming content today? That's different. As you say before, it might not never go back to the way it was. But um, so that's we view it as kind of I view it as almost an interesting opportunity. Our final guest on the best of content future trends is Comscore's director of business development, T.K. Gore. Now, if you work for a major media company or you've been pitched by one, you likely have been regaled with the futuristic sounding term and promise of addressable media. I admittedly only knew the basics, so I asked TK to break it down for us, as it is clearly a rapidly evolving part of the content measurement ecosystem. Here's what TK had to say. Give us the the 101 on addressable for people, and keep in mind a lot of the people that are listening to this are probably CMOs or vice presidents sure, of marketing. Or sure. Of it, but it, I think it's an important thing because the baseline understanding and context dummy down for me addressable. Sure, sure. I mean, the same way that you go and you do targeting in a digital publishing world, if you want to go after a certain, uh, let's call it audience segment, right? Mm-hmm. And traditionally, for years, we've basically have sold on, you know, when you say demographics, it basically means age and gender, mm-hmm. period, stop, right? We have so much more data out there, and you're aware of that. I'm aware of that. And what a lot of linear TV entities are doing, and we're literally at the epicenter of this right now, is we're helping them develop and go and sort of define audience segments. And what do I mean by an audience segment? I mean, going beyond just age and gender. You know, it's like, how do I, hey, I wanna go and target left-handed plumbers can you help me mm-hmm. well we actually have that data right and maybe that's a little bit of a um a corny segment and right. it's something that uh my boss and i've talked about all the time but you can go out and comscore does this a lot right now we create a lot of timely segments around whether it was world cup women's soccer olympics politics whatever whatever side of the political spectrum you sit on um you know new moms you know, the data is out there and we're going out and we're harvesting a lot of this data back to the oil analogy. We bring in that oil uh, and we're the refinery and we work with all of these sort of cable and satellite companies as they go out and they're talking to brands and advertisers and, and especially the agencies who are working on their half, right? And they have right. to work harder in this day and age. And like, we wanna go after, you know, they're coming to you, Jay, and like, we wanna go target this particular audience. We can go and deliver that right now. And then what we do, Comscore, in terms of this is addressable world, we provide accurate measurement, right? Mm-hmm. Because if they're buying it from you and you're a media company, are you going to report on that? We always talk about it. you shouldn't be grading your own homework. Right. So the role we play is we offer third-party trusted verification mm-hmm. and we deliver what are the measurements around it in terms of impressions. Do you want to go a step further? You know, attribution. Did this person take an action because they you know, saw this particular spot or dot or impression or whatever it is? And then you can get into there's addressable and then there's also this whole world of called under addressable because only so many people can actually receive right. addressable ads. So as you go and deliver those addressable ads, then you have inventory and, and underneath. Question, how, how does addressable get served when you say serving addressable ads? How does that, not from a technical standpoint, from a layman's term, what does that mean? 
basically when you go and sort of you know you look at the the MVPD or what we used to call the cable MSO world in terms of you mm -hmm. know connected TVs and subscribers think about the set-top box universe that still exists or and there's a lot of smart mm -hmm. TVs in there the cable companies have built better platforms mm -hmm. right I know when I worked at NBC and Comcast I mean X1 is just an outstanding platform they're integrating a lot of things in there but they're collecting data. They know your viewership right. habits and, and other things. Uh, and they are so that's addressable is like I have we have uh, Xfinity here right in this house. And so addressable is they know my consumption habits. They know I'm a Northwestern sports freak. And so that data has become much richer of which Comscore is able to work with those partners to extract that data. And, and, and so those, you know, the, the Comcast of the world have their own first party data. So they know certain things about your household, mm -hmm. consumption, habits, in terms of video, uh, also abiding by privacy, which right, we haven't right. talked about, or you know, right. CCPA and what they've done in the state of California. So everyone is very protective of um, you know, um, privacy and personally uh, identifiable information, PII. Mm -hmm. Then they come to Comscore, who can help them um, measure such things. But yeah, a lot of the cable and satellite companies today can go out there and serve addressable to a certain audience um, based on a lot of the, the new tech that they're building, which is now they're kind of starting to finally catch up to mm -hmm. what's been going on with digital. Um, and it's just fascinating to kind of watch that right now um, because they're, they're, they're finally, I, I believe, starting to make some inroads in, in terms of this particular specialized targeting, much like I go back to digital with how Facebook and Google have just absolutely dominated. Domination. In my mind, that's what these four great guests did in terms of the knowledge transfer on Brand Story Inc., along with so many others in our inaugural year of Brand Story Inc. podcast. That's a wrap on the best of content studio future trends for 2021. I hope you join us every Thursday when we drop a new episode. Next week, we host Dow Jones Chief Revenue Officer Josh Stinchcomb and connect the dots between the C-suite, managing business expectations, and the content studio business. We go pretty deep, pretty fast, and I think you'll love nerding out with the two of us. I'd love to hear from you, so ping me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter, at underscore J-A-Y Sharman, S-H-A-R-M-A-N, at underscore J Sharman, or comment on our podcast at TeamWorksMedia.com's Content Hub. Until next week, cheers. Cheers.